0: to RB1 colon, a fan of the Fans Podcast. I am your humble host, Pete Rogers. Joined as always by just Clark Barnes and Mr. Class Jordan Smith. Guys, how are we uh, doing? Doing great. Live the dream, Pete. Living the dream. I in that intro failed to mention that we are brought to you by FakeTeams.com. so uh if you are in need of any kind of fantasy football content because hey maybe you're drafting right around now because you like to do early drafts i don't know or maybe you're a fancy baseball fan who just happened to stumble upon this podcast and you're like ah let's see what these three bozos have to say um we're faketeams.com. your one-stop shop for everything look at that pitch So, before we start the show, I wanted to ask, how many of you guys, and by how many, I mean just the two of you, who of you got roped into the whole Gronk uh, trade debacle? I did not, because I feel like this is the third
1: time in as many months that that has happened. So, I'm just going to literally stop believing it until he's actually in another uniform on Sunday.
2: When I logged into Slack and saw some chatter about Gronk getting traded... You got me for a second.
0: For a half second.
2: And then I went on Twitter and it was, This is coming from nowhere. No, this is legit. And I was like, Ah, damn it. You
0: got me again. I'm out. <laughs> basically, so,
2: yeah, you got me.
0: Yeah. Basically, it was a Reddit user who, who I guess correctly called the Julian Edelman suspension a day early because uh, that somehow gives him credentials. Um, And this person, they were then like hinting on the Julian Edelman story that they were like, oh, but there's bigger news coming for the Patriots. It's going to come. they were like, and we're going to we're going to let, you know, I'm going to share the news tomorrow in the afternoon. So, of course, Patriots Twitter was all like, oh, my God, what's this news? And then it got tracking on like pro football focus and they were just like writing about how this Reddit user was going to drop some big ass news. Then all of a sudden barstool was just like, Oh, Gronk's getting traded. Like barstool is just like big news coming out of Patriots camp. Bet you Gronk's getting traded and no other Patriots beat reporters were talking about it. And I was like, this is fishy. And then a couple beat reporters started like feeding into the narrative and just Twitter melted. Just all of, All of Patriots Twitter was like, oh, my God, this is happening. How could they do it? How could this happen? Ah!" There was a report that came out that Belichick had been in talks with the Titans and 49ers about trading Gronk. And then Brady came storming in and was like, I'm going to retire if you trade him. Um, And then nothing happened. And Patriots PR was like, that was a load of crap. And then this Reddit user just posted, he deleted his post about how um He was going to drop some news and he was just, they just said that they totally were making this up. They made up this big scoop just to fuck with the media. And I was like, you know what? Good on you. Way to just like completely call out the uh, sports media for being complete, you know, whenever they're like, Oh, sources say we've now learned those sources are just some rando account on Reddit. So there you go. Uh, All in all, it was an exciting, like 45 minutes on Twitter.
1: This is why I don't use Reddit when it involves real life people and only look at it for like Game of Thrones conspiracy theories or Westworld stuff. That's that's all that's I'm the on only for. reason that Reddit still exists.
2: Yeah, in all seriousness, so this the story was kind of going in the news cycle all day, and to be depressing, I would just like people to understand that's how our actual news works too. It is. So just keep that in mind. It doesn't mean all news is is BS, but the news's job is no longer to report good news. The news's job is to get your attention to sell advertising. So when it sounds like someone's spinning something up and it and they're not saying where it's coming from and they don't have anything backing it, they're just talking about their reaction to a potential report that insinuated blank. <laughs> use, use your head a little bit and be like, wait, this isn't – they're just reacting to the potential story. Why am I getting – Why am I watching this? Why am I getting worked up about this? Why am I going on Facebook telling all my friends that disagree with me how (laughs) stupid they are? Like, this is our world. Yeah, And we have a chance to come back from it. So just take this and learn from it, and let's all get better. I also
1: blame the the post-finals, post-Stanley Cup lull. Totally. it, It just started literally the day after everything ended, and... Everybody's just digging for something.
0: Everyone needs this is that damn Alex Ovechkin. <laughs> it's all his fault. The Capitals win the Stanley Cup and all hell breaks loose. <laughs> uh, well, in the vein of news, we do actually have some NFL news to talk about. There's an NFL quarterback, you guys, who's throwing a football. <laughs> Whoa! Hold your horses there, people. Uh, an NFL quarterback got cut. And a rookie quarterback might be seeing the field earlier than we think. Oh. Uh, And then for the main event, uh, we're going to take a look at players who are holding out during mandatory mini camp and see if they and their team can make it work. That was a terrible Tim Gunn impression. I've been binge watching the Project Runway, and so I get ready for a lot of Tim Gunn (laughs) impressions, and I'll do better. I need to get back into the headspace. So just make it work. Make it work. It'll get there. It'll eventually, throughout this p- podcast, I'll, I'll land a perfect Tim Gunn impression. Hey, you know what? That's better
1: than um, me and my friends over the weekend. We watched The Departed, and then we went out to the bars talking in Boston accents. So <laughs>
0: good, good. And if, if you're <laughs> if you're eventually going to travel to the East Coast, Jordan, I can say. Bostonians, there's nothing we love more than than coming into a, a local <laughs> bar and just start spouting uh, a uh, fake Boston accent. That's really I will get you uh, in with the with the locals.
1: I won't give you any quotes because I don't want you to do a whole lot of work with the bleeping. So
0: take me. That's <laughs> true. It's very easy to do a Boston accent if you just add a lot of f-bobs. That you instead of saying a u, you pronounce it with an a. Just like a fucking fuck. Yes. Um, So anyways, the news. Andrew Luck, you guys, is throwing the pigskin. And nothing assures me more that he'll be good old Andrew Luck come game day than watching him do a three-step drop and throwing the ball to a stationary person. He's healed. He's fixed. Andrew Luck's going to throw for 45 touchdowns, 5,000 yards, and 10 interceptions. I decided a long
2: time ago that Andrew Luck was going to play. I understand why it's news because we got the rug pulled out from under us last year and people have been hurt. And so now they don't trust anyone. And I understand that. But like, I feel like he's going to be fine. Whether or not he's Andrew Luck again, we'll see. But he's throwing the ball. They learned not to rush it uh, and have him miss another entire year. Good f-ing job, Colts, last year. <laughs> i think he'll be fine and i've been drafting ty hilton all over the place and i'm starting to feel a little bit better about it yeah
1: yeah this is news because when healthy andrew luck is one of the better qbs in the nfl and he's the heir apparent to peyton manning and we're still semi kind of waiting for that greatness to take over we've seen him be very
0: good but i think people are just really excited to have more good nfl qbs amen Amen. Just weeks after trading their laundry machine for him, the Raiders have cut Christian Hackenberg uh, when they failed to realize that he could not wash their jerseys as well as their old laundry machine could. So add this to a laundry list. Oh, see what I did there? Just staying on staying on brand uh, of failed quarterbacks picks by the Jets. And I have to wonder, Jordan, Mr. Defender of the Jets, are we sure the Jets know how to make Sam Darnold their savior? And before you try to convince me that the Jets know what they're doing, here's a list of the quarterbacks the Jets have drafted over the last 10 years. Just to really, you know, really nail my point home. Uh, in 2008, they drafted Eric Ainge in the fifth round. Great. Heard of him before. 2009, they traded up for Mark Sanchez, whose single greatest accomplishment was uh, running into his offensive lineman and fumbling the football. 2011. Like conference championship. No, nope, no. Nope no one remembers the conference championship run all they remember is the butt fumble that is what mark sanchez is that and the fact that rex ryan has a mark sanchez tattoo that's literally mark sanchez's career 2011 they drafted greg mcelroy in the seventh and then and then we get to just a beautiful stretch of quarterback drafting by the jets geno smith in 2013 taj boyd in 2014 remember that guy uh, Bryce Petty in 2015, Christian Hackenberg in 2016, and then Sammy Boy this year. Jordan, convince me. Convince me that despite the fact the last 10 years they have failed to find any semblance of a franchise quarterback, uh, that that uh, Sam Darnold is going to succeed.
1: Look, San- Sanchez was essentially... Blake Bortles before Blake Bortles became Blake Bortles. Like he was just the placeholder while that super good New York Jets defense just carried them all the way to back-to-back AFC East or AFC championship games. Um I think when you look at the rest of that QB list, you got to look at where those other I guess you can call them NFL quarterbacks were drafted. Uh Geno Smith being the only one that I feel like you can really compare to Mark Sanchez or um, Sam Darnold because he was a higher-round pick. Christian Hackenberg
0: was a second-round pick as well. Both of them and Geno were second-round picks. Yeah, but it's not like they've been flush with top 10
1: first-round NFL QBs to pick from. That's where the real NFL quarterbacks come from. I mean, you can get lucky by drafting like a Russell Wilson in the third round or um, somebody in the second but Hackenberg, they reached for, they're mostly just drafting really talented defensive people in the first round of these drafts. And, you know, past history, notwithstanding, I think you just really got to look at where these
0: quarterbacks are truly drafted. Kind of destroyed my whole little narrative there, Jordan, but you know what?
2: Uh, Why are we talking about the Jets?
0: Because
1: they're Jordan's favorite team. I'm a Jets apologist.
0: (laughs) They're they're, they're his favorite (laughs) football team. I got to appease Jordan at least once during the podcast. I do. I have that habit of falling
2: in love with players and never falling out of love with them. So I really want to see like Thomas Rawls looking great in camp. (laughs) Oh man, if that happens, I'm gonna be taking him everywhere. You know who
1: I heard looks good in camp so far? Teddy Bridgewater.
0: Yeah, Teddy. Don't get overexcited. Oh, my God. It's just going to be – I saw – hey, friend of the podcast, Eric Thompson, who's jumped on before, writer at Daily Norseman. He was tweeting about when uh, he saw some report where it was, you know, Teddy Bridgewater looks great in practice, and he, quote, retweeted it just saying, like, wait, is I Will Always Love You by Whitney Houston playing in the background? And I and I re- I replied to him, and I was like, that's exactly how I'm going to feel anytime I see a Titans beat reporter being like, Malcolm Butler broke up a pass today in Titans practice. I'm just be like, oh, Malcolm Butler, why are you gone?
2: You're being really nice to yourself. Uh, how are you going to feel when it's like, Jimmy
0: Garoppolo wins another Super Bowl <laughs> for the San Francisco 49ers? Well, at that point, I'll just be a 49ers fan, so, you know. That's, that's what who- makes sense. That's what we should do for a
1: segment. Just players we can't quit from our favorite teams. Like, I will always love Casey Hayward, and I'm sad when he keeps on leading the league in interceptions. This I know.
2: He, the
0: Packers really screw the pooch on that one. Uh, that
2: would this be a great. This just segment. be a list of like 40 washed up backup running backs that I <laughs> played for three games one time, and I'm just <laughs> in love with for the rest of my life.
0: Oh, my gosh. All right. Clearly, this is next week's podcast. Um, <laughs> Moving on to the news, it seems like John Harbaugh has forgotten his disgust for illegal formations and eligible receivers um, and is looking to join the let's cheat train as well. As the Ravens are looking to use Lamar Jackson and Joe Flacco together at the same time, I ask you guys, what is the point of this stupidity? Neither Joe Flacco nor Lamar Jackson can both play quarterback. Why even? Why not just accept your fate and say, Joe Flacco, you're done? And just start Lamar Jackson from day one. Why bother kind of entertaining this weird dual quarterback offense? Why? Because it's
1: clearly worked in the past a million times before having two (laughs) quarterbacks run the offense. No, I, I actually have no idea. They just really need to take Joe Flacco out to pasture and just start Lamar Jackson. If that's what they're thinking, if they think he's uh, talented enough to get some special offensive plays, they might as well just see what he can do when he's using the whole playbook, opening up that um, opening up all those special talents that he has or just fully dive into whatever sort of special Michael Vick-esque playbook you were going to dive into with them from the from the jump. Just get it in now so he has a whole summer to start learning it. When um, training camp starts in July, they can hit the ground running a little bit quicker than if they try to make Lamar Jackson be a pocket quarterback that Joe Flacco
0: is. It's time to old yeller Joe Flacco. Let's be honest.
2: <laughs> this idea and story is just kind of the classic sitcom, like, I've got a date with two different girls for prom. Like everyone (laughs) thinks they can pull it off and it's funny and it never works. And still like, I'm sure friends did this episode. I'm sure Seinfeld did this episode. I'm sure big bang theory did this episode. And so John Harbaugh, if he actually does this, which he strikes me as a smarter person than this is just going to look stupid. Like every other person that did it. I think you, you play one quarterback, I think if you want to sit Lamar Jackson all year, give him a year to kind of get used to the NFL, that's fine. Joe Flacco is not great, but probably not going to win the Super Bowl If you know, Jackson either. So right. I can see sitting him, but sit him or play him. Don't do this. Don't,
0: don't, don't do, do it halfway. Weird. Yeah. i mean Don't do the weird hybrid of like, we're going to have some plays for Lamar Jackson and then some plays for Joe Flacco. And and then for a defense on the defensive side, it's like, okay, let me take a wild guess. When Lamar Jackson's in the game, probably going to be a run option. And then as soon as Joe Flacco's back in, it's like, okay, now I got to play the pass.
2: And that just shows such a lack of creativity. Like, The read option works with one quarterback in the NFL and it's ruined several. So if you're 250 pounds and Cam Newton, okay, fine. But he can also just flick his wrist and chuck it 60 yards downfield. That's great. Don't bring in a sort of frail framed quarterback and telegraph what you're going to do. Like that's.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Dumb idea. Uh, All right. Now we're going to take a step out of the newsroom, and we're going to step into Clark's cornfield to talk to a very special guest, Clark Strawman, who protects his corn from all of the crows and gives us the searing hot takes that we can only expect from a man made of straw. Clark Strawman, what has been on your mind recently? Please enlighten us.
2: So, we saw
0: big news
2: today on Twitter that uh, Raiders kicker Giorgio Tavecchio missed two field goals in camp. And now a lot of people will poo-poo this story and say this is just middle of June news, and this is ridiculous. But we all remember recent memory, of course, the great Roberto Aguayo situation, long since heralded as the reason Jameis Winston hasn't yet developed. Bad kickers put a bad vibe around the team, and they kind of drag the whole team down. And there's a lot of history behind this. Uh, last year for the winless Browns, kicker Zane Gonzalez famously missed several preseason kicks. They even mentioned it in the pregame show, of like, oh, this doesn't... Seemed like it's going to go well for the Browns this year if they uh, need some crucial field goals there and a well uh, winless team. And, of course, the 2008 Detroit Lions under head coach Rod Marianelli uh, lost their longtime kicker right before the season started, Jason Hansen, who got a mysterious case of gout. Mm. And they had to replace him with Samuel Anella, who went on to miss seven game-winning or tying field goals that year. And, of course, we know no NFL coach has lasted more than two years after one of these disastrous kicker seasons. It's
1: true. Yeah. I like the idea of like the, the kicker bringing down the mentality of the entire team because I can see that totally if there's supposed to be a 30-yard chip shot field goal that's supposed to be automatic and it goes wide right, then you just start thinking to yourself, well,
0: damn, nothing is going right in this game. What are we even doing? If we ever, if we ever, and at some point I would love to, at some point when we get paid for this as our jobs and we develop a whole nice little live stream while we record this podcast... It's just, in listening, this is why Jordan is just such a better professional than I am. Clark is Clark is doing his great pitch about the history of kickers and how kickers destroy your league. Jordan is like stone-faced, nodding like, yes, no, that is all facts. <laughs> I am giggling uncontrollably, <laughs> trying not to disturb or make any noise on the mic. Uh, Clark Strawman, that was an excellent, yeah,
2: an excellent. There's a, uh, for, for those fact-checkers out there, there's like, four truth like nine things i made up so a lot of the names are accurate to give it some, some like truth. it seems like it's true uh, yeah i just couldn't do it and of course jordan proving once again like what a nice like what a good man he is not to be like
0: nah, man. Nah. these are all so fake. dumbest thing
1: you know okay, what like, i'm I'm just trying to see some valid points. Of, I love it. You know, I love
0: it. says. It's so great. <laughs> nice. It's a great. That's a win.
1: Oh, my it
2: goodness. Is, I love the, like, the passing percentages, you know, during camp. Right. Stories of, like, uh, I just.
0: It all means something. It, it all
1: reflects poorly on the team. love hey, it. you know love what it. I did yesterday? I was at the Packers' first day of mini camp, <gasps> watching <Ooh>! and scouting. <laughs>
0: Why did we lead with that? Jordan with boots so, on the ground. Come at him now with his sources, people. I'm, I'm all
1: the way in on every tiniest <laughs> of details. I'm not a
2: uh, tune-in-once-it-hits-August type of fan. Devontae Adams, number one wide receiver or second PPR leading wide receiver?
1: First he or looked, second this year? He looks so good, even with uh, Brett Hundley and uh, Deshaun Kaiser throwing to him. He Check looked out. good.
0: Damn. Well, there you go. Boots on the ground. And we also had boots. Well, really, just a stick in the ground uh, as we talked to, to Clark Strawman, who does a fantastic job of both giving us the hottest takes about kickers and protecting Clark's corn from crows. So there you go. There's the NFL news. So now that it, uh, it's mandatory, now that mandatory mini camps have started, uh, players are reporting to team activities, unless, of course, they want a new. Contract. And this happens every year. Players hold out until they get a brand new hunk of cash. So we decided for the bulk of the episode to have a quick chat about five guys who are currently holding out looking for a new contract and whether their team will make it work. That was not bad. Or if you you were
2: serious about that, you're going to try to do that all podcast? I'm going to do all podcasts. I'm
0: going to get this Tim Gunn impression so good that people will be like, Whoa, did y'all have Tim Gunn on the podcast? And we'll be like, Yes, we did.
2: I'm just judging you based on Leslie Nope doing a Tim Gunn. Make it work. And, that's, that's, all <laughs> and that's my only point of reference. That's good. Good.
0: Uh, or if this is the beginning of the end for the pair. So let's start off with none other than Mr. Touchdown Allergy, Julio Jones. Clark, do you think the Falcons and Julio can make this work? <sighs> uh, no. So Julio's,
2: got, Julio's got two years him. left on his deal. And uh the Falcons, unless your name is Matt Ryan, don't generally negotiate with people who have two years left on their deal. I you know, we're all guessing, and so I'm just gonna do it unabashedly. Perfect. Julio's not gonna miss five games a la Emmett Smith and then come back and get his contract. He might hold out until week one and we might not hear from him, and then he's gonna come back and be fine. I'm wondering, uh when people are going to learn. So Julio was really excited three years ago when he signed this big five year deal with two years worth of guaranteed money. Mm -hmm. But now that the cap has been inflated and he's getting paid kind of middle of market value, he's locked in for another two years. So I'm wondering really kind of interested in y'all's thoughts of are guys going to learn that Kirk cousins knows what he's doing. And your goal is to get back to free agency. If you really believe in
0: yourself, I think it's going to happen. I think it's, the thing is, is it's a weird struggle between uh, between wanting that kind of long term protection and wanting that immediate wanting those be able to hit free agency. And I think.
2: Yeah, but but that's the thing. of it, It's only long term protection for the team. So if you have a five year contract with two years worth of guaranteed money, then it's a team option every year. And if you break your leg or suck, they will cut you the only time it works out for you is if you're just a middling performer who's right. just good enough
0: to not get cut right yeah I could see players start recognizing the trend of being like you know what no I mean this is what Des Bryant did right I mean the Ravens offered Des Bryant a multi-year deal and Des Bryant was like no you know what I'm gonna bet on myself I want to sign a one-year contract so that I can make free agency again um and I wonder if you start seeing that I wonder if you instead of these like big, Long term deals with players. I wonder if you start seeing uh, all star superstar players signing kind of two year deals, uh, you know, so that they are able to hit free agency once again. And a lot of the times these guys won't even hit free agency. They'll, you know, on their second in the middle of their second year of their, con- you know, second year of the deal, they'll resign another one. Yeah, I think
1: if you're the Falcons, you have to want to get this deal done, but not this year. I mean, if you have two years on your contract, I think you kind of just make him either ride that out or wait until there's one year left to renegotiate so you can do some tricky things with the cap. And then, you know, hope you're not having things this summer end on a bad note. Winning usually cures all, but you just got to take care of that relationship. And, you know, if it's a little bit fractured right now, just hope you can fix it later. I mean, he hasn't known any other team. So um, Atlanta, I guess you could say is home for him right now. And I feel like that's, it's what the South or what the Cavs should have did with Kyrie, you know, just hold on to him and try to fix that relationship when you can.
2: Yeah. And one more thing, we'll talk about this in a second with another player is so Julio has two years left on his deal and the, the franchise tag for wide receivers doesn't hurt. It's kind of becoming the franchise tag for running backs where, The top paid running backs are like the two guys who have been picked in the top five. These contracts just aren't increasing like the quarterbacks and the defensive ends. Mm. So it'd be really easy for Atlanta just to say you can either play here or not play here at all and slap the franchise tag on Julio for another two years. And then by the time he really gets to free agency, he's well past his prime. So he should play this year. I mean, I always root for the player in these deals. Like I'm not rooting for the billionaire. I want the guy sacrificing his body to get money. You know, I'm not, I'm not worried about that, but just, I really hope people realize, you know, everybody talked about the four year, $72 million deal that Brock Osweiler Mm -hmm. got. No, it was, it was a two year $30 million. Right. And so whenever these guys sign these like giant big things, Uh only the guaranteed money is guaranteed. And when you sign a big deal so that your agent could put a big number out there, this is what you get. And so just, I, I just hope guys for their own benefit, Take the kind of Daryl Revis approach of like, he did this every year. He, he was did. up for a contract every two years, and he made a ton of money, and he got to pick where he played. I just think these five-year deals with two years of guarantees are so bad.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's a really good point. That's not something I would have thought of anyways. Uh, moving down the list, staying in the wide receiver department, Odell Beckham. Now, Beckham is a mix of things. Uh, he's coming off of a major injury, so he's still recovering, so he's he's pitching this partly as rehab Um, But with that, he's also said that he won't set foot on the field without a new deal. He's staying out of team drills this week. So, Jordan, we've heard whispers at one point that he might get traded. Does this relationship sort itself out? Or, you know, could we be seeing uh, OBJ playing in a different uniform this year? So more so than the Falcons,
1: I think you have to pay Odell um, Antonio Brown money, maybe a little bit more. He's one of those players that literally transcends the position um i think the jerry rice comparisons are totally fair and they have some merit and while you have a young quarterback josh rosen or no sorry not josh (laughs) Rosen. oh man already screwing up but while you have a um a quarterback situation that may be in flux still sign this person to a big contract and then i mean eventually they're going to be drafting a rookie quarterback so they'll have plenty of cap space coming down the line once eli gets off of his ridiculous deal and it's just a move you got to make pay your stars now and um build up the seahawks way build up the
0: eagles way while you have a cheap quarterback I will say quickly before we go into more of Odell, um, the one time that goes against Clark's point of signing two years deals is the Eli Manning, Joe Flacco, where you're like, you know what? I know I'm about to drop off a major cliff. I'm going to win a Super Bowl, sign a five-year deal that's going to pay me a shit ton of money. Then I'm going to suck for three years. But anyways, but yeah, Odell, I think. I mean, I think both Julio, I think obviously both teams need to re-sign these players, but I think Julio is less important because, I mean, A, you've got Calvin Ridley, and I know Calvin Ridley's not Julio, but you have options there at receiver. You're right, Jordan, you brought it up. The Giants, it is Odell Beckham, and Odell Beckham is, particularly if he comes back fully healthy from his Achilles tear, um, is transcend it in the ability of what he can do on the field at the receiver position so if i'm the giants i think you need to sign him squash all kinds of beef that there is say we were never going to trade you You you're the face of this franchise here's how much money you ever you know you want to feel happy and be a part of this and we're going to keep you around forever uh because i just think without odell now suddenly at some point you're going to get a rookie quarterback that rookie quarterback needs to throw the football to someone and saquon barkley could be amazing But Saquon Barkley also could be quickly stymied by a lack of anything else in that offense other than him for teams to
1: work for defenses to worry about. Yeah, exactly. I think the Steelers were semi-thinking the same way when they gave Antonio Brown a big deal is that, I mean, Ben Roethlisberger has been flirting with retirement for like the past two years now. And they know that some, yeah, they know that the cap space is coming down the pipe usually you don't get that sort of guarantee um so i think that's something that they they have to look at because they're rumored and speculated to be going quarterback already in this past draft so right. it's got to be coming within the next year or two
2: yeah i think odell's in his fifth year i think you just pay him from looking at overthecap.com they've got about seven million left this year and odell is due to make eight million the giants have a ton of dead cap uh this year i'm according to over the cap again 21 million this year so they'll they'll have that freed up for next time or for next year so i think you go ahead and give him the next give him the give him your leftovers give him the seven mil that you've got in the couch cushions and try to get him to sign something that makes him the highest paid wide receiver just barely for a crappy five-year deal like julio did so yep. then in five years, he's like, wait a minute, I don't like this option of making 15 when some when Jarvis Landry got another deal and he's making 19 now. Like, Jarvis Landry,
0: like hate him for all you want, man. But that guy has been has been playing the game right. If your goal is yeah. to make money, he, he did good. well. I mean,
2: yeah. uh, so but I think you pay him just because, like Jordan said, he really is transcendent mm-hmm. and you could tag him for two years and it wouldn't be too bad. But. Again, I mean, so actually, uh, Adam Stites of SB Nation reported that the the franchise number for wide receivers this year was 16 million, and that number is not going to go up because wide receivers aren't getting giant yeah. deals. The biggest deal out there, I think, is DeAndre Hopkins making about 16 and a half a year, and actually Mike Evans is scheduled. Mike Evans is a big deal too. This year. Yeah, yeah. So, but but since those two guys are the only ones, right? The, the franchise tag is an average of. The top guys right so the the deal the tag will not be increasing like quarterback salaries are like defensive end salaries are so you're gonna have to pay Odell you might as well pay him now and just like you said be like no we were never gonna trade you right we
0: love you repair repair all bridges
1: yeah that's always the thing about NFL contracts is five years down the road they look like
0: a discount usually yeah Moving down the list, uh, this one does not make sense to me that this team has left this contract up in the air for so long. And that is the Los Angeles Rams with Aaron Donald. The Rams are throwing money and draft picks everywhere to get as much talent as they possibly can. But they haven't locked down the best defensive player in the NFL right now. I personally don't understand it. I can't fathom a reason why this would not be number one priority on the Rams' list of things of importance to do do can either of you do can either of you pitch me why this is should, why this hasn't happened yet or are both of you on the same page where it's like come on rams what the hell are you doing
1: if if things break right for the rams aaron donald has the potential to lead the league in sacks like as a defensive tackle that's how good he is and he has a case to be one of the highest paid non-quarterbacks in the NFL. You just got to give Aaron Donald his money. He changes the entire complexity of your defense, and he's just a great player who's still really young.
2: I don't get it. The only thing I can think of possibly is the Rams only have about two, seven under the cap, but teams have shown when you want somebody, you can pay him. And I just, I don't know how you don't pay this guy.
0: And and the I thing that doesn't it. make say this to me and Jordan said this like Aaron Donald already has an a glowing resume he's already one of I think he's the best defensive player in the league I think once JJ Watt has been unable to make a full recovery from his injuries Aaron Donald took that title from him but if he puts together a defensive player slash MVP performance this year like he his price tag is just going to go up Because we've been talking about it so far in this entire segment. The two positions that we keep talking about that the salary for them, their contracts will always increase as quarterbacks and pass rushers, people who can get after the quarterback. Aaron Donald disrupts every level of the offense. He stops the run. He stops the pass. He can get after the quarterback. He can take on double, triple, quadruple teams. I mean, I'm sure he could probably get past an entire offensive line by himself and still sack like Russell Wilson. Why risk – like, I it, he's going to ask a lot of money now. But why even risk the chance that he asks even more on top of the fact because he's coming off of an MVP performance, which he very easily could have next year? Because let's not forget, the Rams have stacked this defense and the particularly this defensive line to pair him next to Indominic and Sue. Like, they are basically giving Aaron Donald the chance to have easily 15 plus sacks to be a disruptive force in the middle that he always is, and then some. And yet they're like, we're going to do all this on your rookie contract and we're not going to have any effort to resign you.
1: Yeah, he you bring up a good point because he has a lot of leverage where he could just start to torpedo what they were trying to build on defense by bringing in Sue, by bringing in those defensive backs. And I mean, speaking of Sue, they could just balk at any sort of um, deal that Donald wants to make and let him go and grab millions and millions of dollars from a lesser team. The only difference is that Aaron Donald is Aaron Donald. He's going to continue to play for you, and he's not going to
0: I right. Guess, he's not going to act like Endomic and Sue. Right, he's not going to get his money and give up.
2: Yeah the the only argument I have is a little bit of a nitpicking argument is I don't think if he is defensive player of the year his value increases anymore because he's already. Like, who would you rather have – maybe Jadavian Clowney? Right. Maybe. And that's – maybe, right? So he's already the best lineman in football. Yeah. But, but no, again, I'm... that's nitpicking like, of
0: course, then you should pay him. Right, right, <laughs> right. No, I'm just saying like if he, if he breaks the sack record, which he could do. Stranger things have happened. We've had multiple people sniff it, and he could break it. If he breaks it, like – as his agent, I'm just going to be like, um, yeah, you're like dedicating half half of your salary cap to us because we are that instrumental in in fixing your team. I don't know. I'd be curious to see if I was Aaron Donald and I saw the moves that the Rams were making and presumably the lack of contact about this that has been uh, you know going back and forth between the two parties, I would not be looking favorably about staying in L.A. Let's just let's put it at that. Moving down the list, the fourth player to uh fourth big name to kind of be sitting out of camps is David Johnson, which makes sense given that he missed last year and he wants to make more than the 1.8 that he is set to make. But I also feel like as we talk about leverage, he doesn't really have that much leverage given that he missed all of last year and he's playing in a new offense and a new regime at a time where running backs seemingly you can kind of get running backs that he of his skill set. I mean, we've seen multiple enter the league in the last three years, him being one of them, obviously, but like, I don't know. Do do you, Jordan, feel like that David Johnson has leverage to kind of be making this whole little uh, holdout situation? It pains me to say it because we talked so
1: glowingly about David Johnson last week. He doesn't have a whole lot of leverage. Um, I know his injury uh, last year was to his hand, but it's already not making a very good durability argument if it's your second season as a starter and you're already missing games Um, if David Johnson is healthy he is going to be in the MVP conversation Um, that's pretty much a no-brainer but at the same time yeah because you're a running back because you already missed nearly an entire season um, it's
0: not very good leverage for you it's not like you have Le'Veon Bell leverage And I want to reiterate what Clark has said earlier in this whole little segment is that get your money, David Johnson. Like you want to hold out and get paid. You do you, you get that. Um, All I'm just bringing to light is that it doesn't seem like he's going into this holdout with as much leverage as he could, given that he missed all last season. That's all, but get your money, David Johnson.
2: Yeah. So I have a little bit of a different take. I think that he does have some leverage because he's not, a first round pick. So there is no fifth year option and he's going into the last year of his contract. So the Cardinals are going to have to franchise tag him uh, to keep him. I think anybody would be happy to have such a versatile back. And like Pete enjoyed saying a dozen times last year, he was injured, but it
0: wasn't his legs. Said, it was
2: his wrists. <laughs> um, And so I think instead of, the Cardinals trying to pay him like 700,000 or whatever he's due this year. They're going to go ahead and give him a Devonta Freeman deal. Mm. They're going to beat it by just a little bit. They're going to give him like 44 million over five years with like 20 guaranteed, which is just going to be a two and a half year deal with $20 million guaranteed. Right. Uh, and I think that's going to make him happy. I think it's going to lock him in and I think it's going to help them avoid the kind of levy on bell like do we want to pay david johnson 15 right. a year like but we're willing to guarantee three or four at mm. nine i feel like it's just going to be the smart move for them they got a rookie quarterback coming in let's go ahead and lock this guy up he's good he's proven himself he didn't blow out his knee
0: it was his wrist so it wasn't his
2: legs. I, I think david johnson's getting a deal because he was not picked in the first round
0: and that's a really good point. Uh, that's a point that I did not I did not think of, is the fact that he is going into the last year of his deal and they don't have that fifth-year option to, to tack on on top of it. I had a point to make, too, but I have since forgotten it. It wasn't even his legs. <laughs> there, that was the point. Let's be honest. I just needed to repeat that 10 more times. Um, and finally on our list of players who are doing the holdout, Earl Thomas of the Seattle Seahawks. Clark, the Seahawks have been trying – to trade Earl Thomas for like what's felt like forever. Do they even want to, and here it is my last, my last attempt, make it work. Earl Thomas. Do they want to Earl Thomas misses game
2: this year? I think Earl Thomas sits out through week one Mm -hmm. because Seattle is not going to find a trade partner that even wants to pay him what he's owed this year. The the market for safeties has completely crumbled. Eric Reed still doesn't have a job. Kenny Vaccaro still doesn't have a job. I mean, if you want to say Eric Reed and the nonsense with the protesting is why he doesn't have a job, okay. Kenny Vaccaro wasn't caught up in any of that. He's a very good safety. Trey these Boston guys are just,
0: doesn't have a job.
2: Yeah, these guys are just becoming, and I don't mean this disrespectfully, but they're, just, they're becoming the running backs of the defense so they're not worth it to Matthew. One of the best ball hawking safeties in the league only got what, like seven and a half million dollar one year deal this year. And that was straight free agency. Anybody in the league could have given him any deal. And I think Earl Thomas is owed what, like eight and a half million. Yeah. I mean, Earl Thomas is amazing, but no one's going to pay that. No one's going to give him a new three year, $36 million deal. So, but he's made some money. So I think he misses some games. And then comes back with his tail between his legs and thinks, well, like seven and a half million is not too bad. <laughs> like, okay.
0: Do you think that, because this is what I personally think, do you think the Seahawks would cut him?
2: My knee jerk reaction was to say no. And I think that's still right. I think they'd be more willing to pay like half of his salary and get a third round pick for him.
0: Oh, right. If you're okay. So you're like, yeah, still. Yes. I, I guess I was going under your premises that no one will trade for him because they've had yet to get that deal go through. Um, I would almost go so far to say I would put a beer on Earl Thomas not by the end of this coming season, by the end of this 2018 season, Earl Thomas is not on the Seahawks. I still haven't
1: figured out where the market for good safeties has gone. I'm like, I'm not entirely certain what the main objective is there because as the league shifts to more offense, you know, pass heavy league, you want as many good people running the middle of your field as possible. And Earl Thomas has proven that when he's out with injury, the Seahawks defense tanks, like they are just somehow not good at all. Um, with that being said, they got rid of Richard Sherman. They balked at Cam Chancellor when he was holding out for a couple of games and he ended up coming back anyway. Um they even back a couple of years ago they let go of Brandon Browner who was their number 2 cornerback, you know, starting in the Super Bowl, that sort of thing. And they're just like, "No, we're going to trust the people that we got." And I mean, it is John Schneider, so he is a Packers disciple. And if you uh, pay attention to the Packers, you'll know that they tend to let some veterans walk and more believe in their drafting ability. And what you end up getting is a really good quarterback that's consistently surrounded with young guys. And I think that's what the uh, Seattle Seahawks are headed towards right now.
0: Yeah, I could see that, definitely. Uh, I could definitely see that coming to fruition. It's interesting, too, that you talk about, like, where the market for safeties have gone, especially since there's been such an emphasis on being able to have people who can cover uh, tight ends and people who can play, like, in sub-packages, right? You want to have hyper-athletic linebackers. And it seems to me, when you look at Eric Reed and Kenny Vaccaro, both of whom have played linebacker in sub-packages, It's just interesting that uh, in a league where now defensive versatility is like all of the rage, and Clark, you alluded to this too, like the Honey Badger plays like five positions along the defense, and yet, you know, 7 mil, which is a number we shouldn't as normal humans scoff at because (laughs) – can't conceptualize that money. It's like saying someone's slow. It's like saying
2: Jordy Nelson's lost <laughs> right. the step. It's like, oh, you want to go race him? It's like you, 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 you want can still to a run nine? a
0: sub five forty, which is more than I can yeah. say. Uh, yeah, but it's, and- just, it's just interesting that, that the market is completely dried up for versatile people, like you said, in, in a pass-happy league where where there are at least any time an offense lines up, they still have a tight end and a running back, normally two tight ends. You know, a tight end and a running back can catch the football. You have at least five pass catchers on the field at any given time. It's crazy that you would not want as many different kind of pass catcher defenders on the field.
1: Yeah, that's why uh, during this past draft, I was really championing uh, Minka Fitzpatrick, Derwin James, even Roquan Smith as a middle linebacker because they could cover tight ends right. and they can cover running backs coming out of the backfield because you'll start seeing more of that. And I'm like, what do you want? Do you want a, a safety who can actually move and who is a big hitter covering Rob Gronkowski? Or do you want your five foot eleven? Guy guarding Gronk, or your middle linebacker who can barely run a four eight covering Rob Gronkowski. Right.
2: Yeah, the, I love the the way you think about it. Like, hey, do you want your corner that's uh, too small to play on the outside, or your uh, linebacker that's too slow to uh, be a pass rusher to guard Gronk? Guard right. Gronk. Who, who right. do you want to do that? It's like, what? What do you?
0: Can I pick I neither?
2: There's got to be something, right? Like, there's got to be something we're missing. But these guys seem like they would be such great movable pieces to why not have three safeties out there didn't i mean the
0: cardinals did that we've seen Uh, them do it before right and it worked mark Barron did it clearly what's wrong is all of the nfl general managers and coaches clearly we are right i mean that's the biggest conclusion we can draw here is that we know our shit and the people who are running actual football teams are at a loss and don't understand how actually football is done i have had many successful madden teams so i know how to build and construct a (laughs) roster
1: I'm going to start an investigative journalism piece. Over the course of the season, I'm going to visit all 32 teams, talk to all of their GMs, and ask them, what is going on with the free safety position? Why aren't people signing these guys to bigger deals?
0: Jordan, record it in interviews, and we'll post (laughs) it like serial. It'll be our own serial podcast where it's investigative journalism. We'll release it weekly, and people will be so entranced by it that suddenly we'll become popular. And then stretch goal,
2: you can do like – 10 minutes of solid stand up about how boring it is to travel and how airports are terrible and how, that's
1: how each hard episode it will start. be to travel with my cork board
0: and red yarn so <laughs> <laughs> right is that a carry gotta out? Have that. Fit in
1: the overhead i don't know
0: that's how each episode starts It's just 10 minutes of stand up about traveling and then we get into interviews with uh nfl gms and coaches what there's a, a magic trick. Food. We're just completely. This is this is the much better RB one podcast that we've just created
2: in Seattle. There's a magic trick painted on the wall, like you're going to get to the end, and it doesn't work. Sorry, David Cross. I know that's your joke. Just stealing. <laughs> uh,
0: so there you go. So those were those were the kind of big names who have been holding out of minicamp, looking for new contracts. We asked, and we let our thoughts known as to whether or not they can make it work Uh, or if the end of it's now just become me just saying make it work in like a deeper voice it's not good i need clearly what i i needed to have watched more project runway uh before we recorded this podcast even though i already binge watched like probably five episodes before we watched this show it's such a good show
2: I've been watching a lot of Rams tape so that I can, uh, whenever people start reading fantasy football articles again, release my uh, Derek Henry is a 300-pound Tevin Coleman article.
0: Is that to mean that Derek Henry is a 300-pound monster who's going to tear up fantasy football leagues right and left?
2: It's going to mean everyone's drafting this person three rounds ahead of the guy that they'll be playing behind.
0: Oh, interesting.
2: I feel like that worked got there i feel like <laughs> let me, let me, did that work yeah <laughs> after, after the debacle with my julian edelman article that i was so fucking proud of and like 40 people clicked on it i <laughs> swear like my mom clicked on it like 20 times
0: I'm i clicked on it the other 20 i'm holding on my articles <laughs> holding so on your rams deep tread yeah um if the general population wants to let us know when they sh- want to start receiving fantasy football content, let us know. Cause last year when I tried to post some fantasy football content in like May and June was routinely met with comments on Twitter being like, um, bro, it's baseball season. And I'm like, um, bro, I don't care. I don't want to talk about baseball.
2: It's always baseball season. It's like 160 games, 162. Ugh. Play
0: 16, make them count.
1: Isn't the world series in October and then like catchers and pitchers
0: report in like February or something like that. What's it's the always point? baseball. It's always baseball baseball all the time. Get it. Get it. A, stop feeling yourself. Baseball. There you
2: go. <laughs> Having said that, if any major league uh, baseballers would like to come on the podcast, uh, we would love to have you
0: looking um, at you, Mike Trout. Cause I know triple you. Listen. A, triple A and up triple it up if you're seeing if you're double a don't bother calling us we don't yeah. want you <laughs> uh, <laughs> so there you go uh make sure to follow us on itunes and stitcher so that whenever we do eventually land ourselves a triple a uh prospect to come on to the show and talk fantasy football slash just baseball in existence uh you won't miss that episode Rate, review, subscribe, all those good things. Follow us on Twitter at RB1 Podcast. You can follow myself at PM Rogers. Follow Clark at NFL Clark. And follow Jordan at Jordan underscore Smith 27. We will be back at you next week. And we talked about what we're talking about beforehand. It is about players from our teams and from past teams who we love so unbelievably much that we just can't get them out of our heads. Clark is just going to list 40 running backs. Um, And I will list 15 Patriots. And uh, Jordan will probably actually have the most cohesive list out of all of us because he is a professional. It's just something that happens. We all understand. We know how it goes by now. Uh, So until next week, peace!